Welcome, everybody. It is uh, time for episode 12 of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. I am again with my esteemed colleague, Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I'm doing well, Andrew. How about yourself? Oh, you know, living the dream. Uh, we had, what, a collection of games today. Life in the NHL seems to be getting real. Uh, so, I mean, interesting week behind us, seeing <laughs> lots of variants. Uh, so, I mean, I think we'll start this week uh, one that you probably know best, uh, in that it was uh, Bon Voyage to Claude Julien. What? So, Claude Julien got fired? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, we but weird. Yeah. Uh, I guess they kept that one out of the Montreal press. Uh, so this one caught me surprised, at least. I mean, I don't follow the Canadians anywhere close to as, uh, as much as you do. Uh, everything I'd heard, essentially, uh, leading up to this was I didn't hear a word about him being on the hot seat. The continued word around the league was no one, no coach probably gets fired this year because it's a massive inconvenience. Uh, why pay a coach for like a whole season when you're only going to get like this much work out of it. Um, so what, what happened in uh, Montreal that's led to Claude, Claude Julien being fired? I mean, I think at this point I broke it down right on the podcast that I did, uh, that, that I hosted myself, and I went through it here in pretty much some detail. I'll keep it short here. For, so look at it this way. For Claude Julien, it's I, I guess this is more Mark Bergevin trying to protect himself more than anything, right? The Canadians get off to the super hot start. I mean, they're playing Vancouver. They're smashing them. They're scoring goals. They're leading the league in goals, and now they've really started to cool off and tailspin a little bit the other way, right? Their goaltending hasn't gotten better, specifically Carey Price. And the goals are starting to dry up. And for think right, think about having to justify this to an owner, right? In a pandemic year as well. You went out, you signed to Foley, you signed Anderson, right? Anderson was not a short-term deal either. You handed out some money. You need results and you need them to happen. So this is Mark Bergman saying, hey, if I don't make a move, I might be the person who's gonna get moved. So he, yeah. you know, he he lets Claude Julien go. And he brings in, you know, Dominic Ducharme is already there. No need to bring out a coach from somewhere else. Ducharme is a, you know, he's had success at the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He's won gold medals with Team Canada. He's, you know, he's very capable of doing the job. He speaks French as well. So he meets all the criteria that the Montreal Canadiens need out of their head coach. I will say this. I'm not disappointed that Claude Julien is out of his job because I went into this rage when they lost against Ottawa, right? The, the, the game where Brendan Gallagher's goal gets <laughs> waved off yeah. because Matt Murray had, I mean, three years to reset himself, but apparently not. And then they go into the shootout, and lo and behold, Corey Perry's the first shooter to shoot, followed by Jonathan Drouin. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm fuming, right? My girlfriend's looking at me, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like... Corey Perry's taking the first shot. She doesn't understand the importance of this, but every single person who watches hockey is sitting like it threw me so far off that right. Corey Perry has two goals this season. Drume had just scored his second one right that night. Yeah. And you look across the ice, and the Ottawa Senators have Brady Kachuk who goes out first, Tim Stutzel who goes second, 
Josh Norris, who goes third, who you can argue those collection of players, top five, top six on the team offensively, yeah. right? Whereas Corey Perry and Jonathan Drouin, goal-wise, nowhere near the top, right? Yeah. Drouin's can pick up assists, but in right in the shootout, it's not about passing the puck, it's about scoring here. So yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm going, I don't understand how this happens. Now, Dominic Ducharme didn't do himself any, any favor, right? Because the Canadians, again, lost... Saturday night, yep. and who's out in the overtime to start? Philip Deneau and Yoel Armia. And I'm yeah. going, man, like old habits die hard here, right? Like this is one of those, like I, I feel like Duchar- like we're trying to quit smoking here, but the patch is not really working. And every once in a while, you just sneak into the bathroom, turn on the faucets, the hot water goes, you let it steam up so nobody really notices, and you just smoke your demoria really, really quick, right? <laughs> That's that's how I feel with this. I don't know any other team that sends out a defensive pairing in overtime because the goal of getting to overtime is to get your one point. We agree on that. You can't lose yeah. that point. You've already earned it. The only thing you can do is add a second one. So why are you not tossing everything out? The if you lose, it doesn't matter. Montreal has lost five games in overtime or shootout on the road. I think they're six, one and five or something. So they're not losing in regulation. They're losing, you know, after regulation. And you yeah. should be about 50% at that point. You win some, you lose some. If you're 50%, you know, after 60 minutes, ah, you're doing all right in, in, in my books. But here they're not. It's like they're getting there and then they keep falling behind. And I remember one year, I don't know which year LA missed the playoffs by like two or three points, but they had lost like 12 games after regulation and you're sitting there going well if you would have won one or two you probably make the playoffs right yeah so to me when i see montreal losing in overtime and in the shootout consistently i'm saying okay well something is wrong here right there's a whole mess of problems with them right now right their goaltending like i said carry price not good their defense is a mess power is terrible Power play, penalty kill. Like I said, I went on a 55-minute rant about <laughs> them in the podcast, right? So, I mean, I was like, I was not, I was not feeling it because everybody's like, oh, it's Carey Price, and I'm like, man, I understand he's not who he is anymore, but it's not him. Like, there's so many other things going on with this team that are really not helping. Can Carey Price play better? Of course he can, but like, there's the no reason. Thing- yeah, the thing you have to keep in mind, though, is that every time you say it's Carey Price, what you're also saying is it's Mark Bergevin, right? Because Price is unmovable. No one, like, you can't touch that contract. Uh-huh. No one, no one's going to even give it a look. And realistically, like, yeah, Price has been bad. No one's going to deny that. He's got, like, a 42% quality start percentage. His gold save above average is, like, minus seven. And, yeah. He's, he's not starting- helping his team. Right. He's not helping the team. He's Which is weird, right? Why? Because for the better part of a decade now, if Carey Price was not elite, well, the Montreal Canadiens would crumble and fall apart, right. right? That's how they ended up with third overall Alex Galchenyuk, and that's how they ended up with third overall Lisa <laughs> Yemi, right? right? So and, let's face it, when Carey Price is really, really bad, the, the Montreal Canadiens become bad. And for the first time, like I said, in who knows when, Carey Price is not good, and well, the Montreal Canadiens are... You know, their but, head is at least above water. I'm, I'm going to note this, though, with Price, okay? He's lost. He's had three over t- three, two losses in a shootout, one in overtime. So take those, throw them in the garbage. 
right? It's you have four on four, three on three, like in three on three, like in these cases, uh, it's Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa. All right, fine. You lose, you lose shootouts. You lose no, lose in overtime. No big deal. When you actually th- like, there's the last three are bad, five, four, and five. But like preceding that, you had one. Like these are the number of goals given up: one, three, three, two, 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 five, one, five. Two, two fives are in overtime. Those are both losses. You take those, you throw them away. Those are obviously bad save percentage nights. There's a really good stretch in the middle here, right? Like, it, just like goals against wise, not even not save percentage wise. There's some good save percentage games here too, but you can't, the, the thing people have to remember, right, is like, we're still talking about 12 games. 12 games is too little to put too much into save percentage because it's an average right like you have three bad games where you're in like the 70s or early 80s well the only way you outweigh those are like high 90s well shutouts aren't easy to come by right so like especially not in the north division where defense is optional right like we know this so like you're i would guess right like i i haven't combed i mean i did kind of comb over many of the many of the goalies this week but like not to this just not to this extent where i looked at every game but like yeah you know what carrie price played well against vancouver calgary vancouver uh had uh, a couple three goal games where he didn't play well one against ottawa one against toronto beats toronto uh, on a low shot total night loses gives up big numbers to toronto that's gonna happen right yeah, the, the Ottawa one hurts. You don't want to give up four goals to Ottawa. But, like, let's not kid ourselves. Ottawa's not a good team, but that team puts a ton of shots on net. Yeah. But that's a 39-shot night. And you should not be giving up 39 shots, <laughs> especially to the Ottawa Senators, right? Like, that's well, like, what I said. That's... There's so many things going yeah. wrong here. Everybody talks about Carey Price because, he, the, you know, the money is tied to him. But Shea Weber's got money tied to him, and Shea Weber just looks like a guy who's just like he he doesn't the, the play doesn't move with Shea Weber, right? He's right. just on the ice trying to make sure the other team isn't scoring goals, and he and Sherratt are not doing a good job of that, right? So there's problem number one. Problem number two, right? And I really let loose on him. Philip Deneau has now not scored in a full calendar year. Okay, I, I, like I, yeah. I know there was a big patch in the middle there with no hockey. The last time he scored a goal was February 29th, right? But if you take all the games combined, that's almost 30 games he hasn't scored. He has two goals in like 46 games. Hey, and he's seen top line minutes. Like, and again, people like to assume, like he gets, everybody thinks he's a selkie winner or he's close or he deserves to be in that conversation. And I'm like, man, chill out here a second, okay? He is like, here's here's what Philip Deneau is, right? You know that expensive watch that you want to buy and it costs thousands of dollars, and then you see it on Wish, and you buy it on Wish instead, and then it shows up, and you're like, man, this is not the same. Like, Patrice Bergeron and Anze Kopitar are your elite two-way centermen in the NHL, and then you order Philip the No on Wish, and you're like, that's right. not really the exact same thing that I ordered here, right? Like, For sure, is, yeah. Like, Philip yeah. the No is a third-line center on any other team, but he's seeing top-line minutes in Montreal because we want him to be something – that he's clearly not. Well, right? it, like, it's still sheltering Suzuki. 
right? Like that's the only way I can like rationalize. Sure, but at some point you got to let those players play. Because don't forget, right? right? You moved Max Domi out of Montreal, who has who's who's coming off what two seasons ago, seventy plus points, because you didn't have room for him in the middle. So that means that you need Suzuki and Kakanyemi, or at least you thought that these players can take over offensively. For Suzuki, he's been okay. Kakanyemi, it's still been a struggle. But again, they're young players. I'll let them grow into those positions. But you need them now to produce, especially with Dano just not doing anything, right? Like he's he's just not there. And he's not making his line mates better either. Like Thomas Tatar isn't having great success. And neither is Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher is working hard. That you know you're going to get with Gallagher. He's going to go to the front of the net. He's going to pick up his shots and he's going to do everything. But again, th- like I guess MB's looking at this going, man, I need to do something now before this tails too far <laughs> out. Because again, if you look at the standings here, the Montreal Canadiens are in a playoff spot as of today, right? And let's just exclude Ottawa and Vancouver from the conversation because both teams aren't making the playoffs, even if they try. Okay. So, Right, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg to me are going to be a lot because, well, you know, nobody's going to challenge them. And then you have Montreal and Calgary fighting for that last spot. So all you got to do is beat Calgary. That's it. That's the team you got to beat. They, Montreal, as of today, has a one point lead on them with two games in hand. And Calgary's going through a whole mess of things that they need to figure out their goaltending, their offense, everything. So you have an 80% chance of making the playoffs. Bergevin is saying, fine. Let's get a coaching change. Let's bring in somebody different, something new. I don't know what Ducharme's strategy is, but from what I saw in overtime, he's taking a, a page out of Claude Julia's book and just playing defense on a three-on-three. Like, I've played three-on-three hockey. There is no defense. Yeah, there's just no way. Just send out your – like, think about it. Think of, think of yourself as the other team here, and you see Philip Deneau and Yoel Armia come on the ice. Like, you're like, okay, like, this shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> Like, when I, I guess, play in my Sunday league and I see the defenseman on the right side can't skate, guess who I'm burning every single time? It's the defenseman right. on the right side. I'm going to go out of my way to burn them every time. Well, I'm looking at Deneau and Armia saying, well, these guys are not going to beat you with their speed or their skill, right? Like, they're just going to try to exist, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 I imagine it from a side where I'm looking, let's say, at Toronto, and you see Matthews, Marner, and Riley on the ice, and you're going, oh, boy, <laughs> Oh, boy, if I give them the puck for all of three seconds, they're going to destroy me. Like, that's the fear that I have when they step on the ice, right? Yeah. Same thing with Edmonton, right? When McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Barry are on the ice, like, I start to panic. I start to have, like, I start to hyperventilate as a half time watching this because I'm saying, man, they're going to terrorize me. And then I turn and look at my team and I say, oh, but don't worry, Philip Deneau's on the ice. That should solve the problem. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Ultimately, like, I agree. If this is a roster problem, not more than the coaching problem, right? Like, you hit. You spent a lot of money on players that don't give Corey Perry the first shot. Well, the thing is, is like, you you spent money on playoff players. That's ultimately the problem, right? You got to get there. The problem is, is when you go into, when you go into the shootout. Okay, and you got a 12 goal scorer on your team, and he doesn't take a shot because you need to make sure Corey Perry and Jonathan Drouin take shots first. Like I can live with Drouin. He scored a goal in the game. He played well. You want to give him a little candy? Fine. Take the yeah. third shot if we get that far. But 
My first two shooters, I want them to be the guy who's scoring goals and the next guy behind him as well. So in my mind, it's I want Tyler Toffoli to take the first shot. I want Josh Anderson or Nick Suzuki to take the second one because Suzuki's got a whole bunch of skill and we know that. Those are my first two shooters. The third guy, I'm hoping we don't get there. But at that point, we'll we'll decide. And then if you need more shooters after that, fine, get creative. Give, you know, Paul Byron the fifth shot. Well, if yeah, let, let's Shea Weber just kind of like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring let him it come in the... and clap a bomb or something, right. you know? Yeah. Whatever. See what happens. But, yeah, ultimately... It's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, it did seem to come out of nowhere. Um, I think we're, we'll see what the residual benefit here is, if there is any, for how this affects the Canadians from a fantasy perspective. It's way too early. Uh, I, I wonder if there's any. Like, I don't think they're going to change style of play here. We're not seeing big shakeups in the lines by any means. Uh, so, I mean... We'll see how that shakes out. Um, things that also happened this week, uh, the Minnesota Wild became a thing. Damn. I, I, specifically, the line of Victor Rask, Capril, uh, Kirill Kaprasov, and that's Zuccarello. Uh, I did not see that coming, by the way. I, 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 so, like... Um, I think it was the, I don't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, they're playing the Sharks, and I'm like, yep, always against the Sharks. So, you know, I'm looking things over, and I'm like, you know what, Rask has has a couple points in his last couple games. I put him in the playbook. I had Kaprasov, because uh, like, Kaprasov's the real deal. He's almost a point of, he's almost a point per game as a rookie in the NHL. Um, and so, so I write these guys up. They... Rask puts up, like, I think a three-point game. Kaprasov has, like, a goal and assist. Zuccarello has four points. Um, it's like, whoa, where did this come from? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? So that's two, it was Tuesday because I was like, you know, you're playing the Sharks. Anything can happen. Wednesday happens, and I'm like, this isn't happening again. They're playing Colorado. Like, they're probably not even going to score. Boom, another six-goal game. So... At that point, it's like, what's going on here? Like, uh, I guess Kaprizov is as good as I think he is. Uh, I mean, at a, as a 23-year-old, he's almost 24. Uh, he dominates the play. When he has the puck, you know he has the puck. Um, but, like, enough so, I guess, that, like, what I wasn't expecting, though, is Matt Zuccarello to lead the league in scoring for, like, a seven-day period. Uh, at like eight points or something in four games, uh, and Victor Rask, former like complete throwaway, uh, also like more than a point per game. So here we are. Uh, what should we be expecting from from Minnesota? One is this line for real? Uh, does it have any staying power? Should people look at at, at Rask? Should people look at Zuccarello? Or is this more flash in a pan than anything else? I gotta be honest, I have no idea how to interpret any of this going on because so Daily Faceoff has them ranked as a line, the 31st right best second line in the NHL. Yeah. So there's only one line that's worse than them, <laughs> apparently. And here they are, like you said, just completely tearing apart uh certain teams, right? Tearing apart the sharks is not hard to do, right? That's right. kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, fine, but their game against Colorado, like they played well. They played really well. 
And I was, you know, you don't look at Minnesota as a team that dominates offensively, right? They're kind of a team that's there. You think of them more as a defense first kind of team that, you know, their goaltender, both goalies that they have are very, very good at you know, stopping pucks, right? Which is, which is fine. But Minnesota is now a top 10 team in the league at goals four per game, right? Like they're top 10. So I, I, I don't know how I want to treat them. I think for Kaprasov, like you said, I think he's the real deal. For Matt Zuccarello and Victor Rask, they're just hot right now. If you need somebody in fantasy hockey to fill a hole, these are two players who can definitely do that. But long term, like I just like if if you have them and you can sell them now to somebody who thinks they're gold, I mean, hey, you know, the important thing is to believe, right? So yeah. If you can sell hopes and dreams to another fantasy owner right now, start with Victor Rask and Matt Zuccarello. <laughs> well, I mean, first start with picking up probably Matt Zuccarello. He's probably available. Um, well, maybe not now. I mean, he's got 11 points in the last seven games. Uh, ten of those are in even strength. He has the most even strength points in the last ten games. Or of any of any player in the last two weeks. Why? Because he doesn't play on the power play. Uh, why? And he's still doing all that damage. Yeah, which is, again, makes it very strange. Like, I'm going to fade it. Um, I mean, probably right now, even if I'm a Kaprizov owner, I'm probably selling. Like, I think he's the real deal, but I think when the other parts fade, he's going to get forced to fade with it. Like, we're going to, like, if he can keep Matt Zuccarello and Victor Rask's head above water for the rest of this season, he's a superstar. No doubt. You put real players playing with him when they like if um, uh, Zuccarello, by the way, 41 percent owned in Yahoo leagues. He's seen an increase of 38 percent in the last. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but he, he, I mean, the name of the, the kids escaped me. He had to go back to Switzerland because of because of COVID. Oh, uh, Rossi. Pick last year. Yeah. Marco Rossi. Uh, I mean. They'll be the shortest line in hockey, but like you start putting real talent around Kaprizov, I I'd have to take a look to see where the. Wait a minute, are you saying Victor Rask is not real talent? Yes, that's that's precisely. <laughs> okay. I'm also going to note the same about Matt Zuccarello. Uh, Matt that's Zuccarello, fine. Fine also. third line player. Uh, no business playing with like the best player on your team. Uh, but like, yeah, they once they can put real talent around him, then like look out uh but right now you know take it while you can uh if someone's really like someone's really digging it I, like Kaprizov's still gonna be rookie of the year no doubt about that um but uh, like the i will say the- this that i find pretty interesting though because now i'm looking at it right like matt zuccarello is getting a whole bunch of ownership here victor rask has None. nine <laughs> points and he's at three percent owned so Clearly, fantasy owners are just looking at Victor Rask going, no, 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 no. But looking at Matt Zuccarello going, no, 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 you're the real deal. But Victor Rask, no, you're not. Again, it boggles my mind, right? Because both players are kind of doing the same thing here. Victor Rask, by the way, played 19 minutes against L.A. uh, Yesterday, right, Saturday. So, okay. (laughs) But, like... I He's mean, also got five goals on 15 shots, so... You can make the... I mean, you can make a case for Zuccarello, right? Shooting 21% on the air, 
Last year he shot 15.6, right? He is at 15. He's got a career at like 11, so he's 10% over his career average, which includes some decent Rangers teams, like the from 13, 14 to 18, 19. Right. He had a 26 goal year there, like a 61 point, a 59 point year, like three, basically four straight years at 50 points or more. So he's not a terrible player, but at this point in his career, like he's like he's he's in his early 30s. He's he's not taking the world by storm. Let's no. put it that way. Rask is a former first round pick, so he's got pedigree. I mean, accounting for all drafts aren't equal, right? So let's not go too far down that road. But he does have like he is 28, so he's technically at the tail end of his prime. Uh. Oh, sorry. He was a second round pick, an early second round pick. And yeah, like that makes like more of a shooting bender, 33%. But he's scoring on one in three shots. Just just mathematically think about that. Every time, every three shots he takes, one's a goal. Uh, career average around 10% as well. They should like, if you're going to take one, you, you should take Rask. Don't don't go pick up Matt Zuccarello right now. Pick up Victor Rask. That That's what the smart play is. I, I mean... Not widely, accounting. widely available, by the way. He's available yeah. for your fantasy team. Not not accounting for, like, I don't know what the position eligibility is. Like, I don't know if Zuccarello has, like, two or three positions he's eligible at, which leans things slightly differently. But, yeah, yeah. he's only a right winger on, uh, on uh, sorry, Yahoo. Yeah. Um, uh, and speaking of buy or sell, uh, another player that's been hot as of late, Pavel Zaka. Uh, we're seeing him suddenly come out of nowhere. He's uh, he's seeing better line mates as of late. I believe he is playing with Jack Hughes on the top line right now. Um, so he was another one that that's coming in. That is a place for folks in season long, and he's still been really cheap uh, on DFS as well. Uh, is is this a player that people should be buying in on, or? Is, so I'm not going to buy into him. I don't think he's, I don't think he's the real deal per se. He's 28% owned as well on Yahoo. So he's very much available there. He's skating. He's now slotted into the second center position here with Jesper Brat and Nikita Gusev. So we'll see how that kind of plays out um, for him. He has done well, right? He's got his 13 points here. He's, you know, he's doing well. He played 20 minutes. Saturday against Washington, right? It's not the first time he's done it this season. So he's getting the ice time. So volume is key here, right? And he's got the dual position eligibility. He's He's got things working in his favor here. But am I going to hold on to Pavel Zaka, who career-wise is, like, he's shooting 18% right now, okay? His career average is 10. He shot 8% last year. So, I mean... He is he has scored 13 goals in his career, right? 2018-2019. Outside of that, he has only ever scored eight goals in a season. Now now he's at six, so he's he's well ahead of that pace here. I just don't think of him as an offensive threat. And is he better suited to play? Let's say maybe on the wing with Jack Hughes, maybe because Jack Hughes <laughs> is playing well, but. I'm not looking at his wingers going, oh, well, they're going to support him. And I'm also, 
I just, again, same thing. If I could sell him to somebody who wants to buy Pavel Zaka, well, damn well, I'm going to sell him. That's for sure. Because I don't think, I really don't think it's like he's going to be able to do what he's doing. He's still very kind of, I don't know, how do I say it? Like, he's a risk play here, right? Like, in that game when he played 20 minutes, he had 29 shifts, right? That's an outlier there, um, right? But the two games that he played... That's yeah. probably how I think of it best. And that's sure. And, and I think that's totally okay. Right? Like streamers are perfectly functional players, right? Like you pick okay. them up, ride them ride when them into the ground, hot, you and add them. move on to the next guy, right? Yeah, uh, sure. but like uh, he does have some pedigree, right? So he was a former six overall pick. Um he's big, which possibly plays into that, right? He's six three, two ten. At least that's what he's listed at. I don't know what he actually is. Uh, and he was uh, in that 2015 draft where he went six overall. Like, that's a good draft. That's the McDavid-Eichel draft. Right. Marner, Wierenski, Rantanen, Timo Meyer, uh, Matthew Barzell, Thomas Shabbat, like Brock Besser, Travis Konechny, Jack Russell. Like, like that's a good draft. Um, Let's also take this into consideration for a moment here, okay? Still New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, a one. He most of his points have come here in the month of February, right? So we yeah. they've played eight games in February. His well, ten points. Yeah, they haven't played a lot of games. That's no, but they've. I mean, he only had four points in nine in January, right? So you kind of say, okay, well, he's caught fire here a little bit in February. They've also played five games against Buffalo. He has seven points. Yep. Against Buffalo, so half of his points have come against the Buffalo Sabers. Outside of that three games against Washington, three points. The rest of that Mass Mutual East division, he's got one point. Can we not what, call them by their, like... It's just a terrible name, name for a division. I can't believe the NHL thought that was a good one. But I guess Mass Mutual out here paying big bucks. All this to say, if Pavel Zaka is playing Buffalo, then you 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 run him. But he's already played Buffalo five times, so I think that's going to pace out here a little bit, right? But he's just... I guess, like, he's he's tearing apart Buffalo, which doesn't seem to be too hard here, right? The Buffalo Sabres are just not good, and they're yeah, they're not good, and he's having some success against them. Is that going to change everywhere else? I don't know. Well, think, things to keep in mind, right? He's got 10 points in eight games in the last two weeks. That's four more than Kyle Palmieri. That's six more than Jack Hughes. So while he is tearing apart Buffalo, no one else is. Um. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? Like, that's, I just think he's an isolated... Like, an isolated case, yeah. An isolated case. Like, he's just, like, there's a lot of bottles with flames that are, like, extinguished, and his isn't. Yeah. Which is, I mean, again, shout out to him. He's doing well. And yeah. if somebody wants to buy that, by all means. Please. Well, yeah, I just think of it as, like, hey, you've got injuries. You've got players out due to COVID whatever it might be, right? This is a type of player worth picking up, streaming, see what happens, right? It's free. Think 100% I would, is free. 100% Don't I would trade target. No, I, I wouldn't trade for him. 100% though, I would, like, I would trade him for Max Contemont one for one if someone would give me him. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm dreaming in color here, but like, that's what I, I have more faith in Contois having a better rest of season than I do Pavel Zaka. That's fair. So, 
even though you know console plays on with the ducks the ducks are gonna suck but i think the ducks have an easier division right i think it's loaded with some teams that are not good uh he gets to face off against the sharks a lot so that's always a bonus uh and you know the position eligibility isn't there but i'm not really worried about it and i mean is zaka a goal scorer no at least i don't think he is whereas when i look at Contois, i say yeah this you know kids on the ice to score goals that's what he is that's what he's going to do a lot of and he's been able to do it again with a limited amount of ice time and again he plays for the anaheim ducks so yeah um well all, all fair points so uh keeping things moving here uh we released rankings updates this week um which means uh, I had the joy of combing through some of these players and, and making making some notes along the way. Uh, first thing, a couple things that really stood out to me. Uh, one, uh, we I think we have to say this every week. Uh, if there if someone, this should be a brand by now, but goalies are voodoo. Yeah. Um, maybe we should just start making T-shirts. Maybe we can sell those things. I don't know. Uh, I played Malcolm Subban on Saturday in NHL DFS after Kevin Lankin was confirmed not out. And I'm looking at this. I remember because I, I put it in the playbook and I was like, man, I don't feel confident about this. I'm looking at him. He's got all these great stats. The last time he got blown up was in Tampa Bay on opening night. He's been really good since. It's Detroit. I'm sitting here going, all right, you know what? I'll bite the bullet. And then guess what? He, it is. he got absolutely steamrolled. And I'm sitting there going, Cool. I knew this would happen. Yeah. yeah. I just, I couldn't pick a goalie to save my life. I just, yeah. Goalies are moving. Those nights happen. Yeah. But 49 goalies have recorded a win. Okay. And, sorry, 49 goalies have recorded a win and made five star tomorrow. Just, okay. just let that sink in for a minute, right? We're basically like five weeks into this, into the season and 49 different goalies have a win. Uh, 30 of them have made 10 or more starts. Just five of them have made 15 or more. And only there's only two goalies that have more than 10 wins right now. Can you guess who they are? Uh, one of them's got to be Freddie Anderson, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, that I figured out. Is the second one Vasilevsky? It is, yeah. Those, cool. those are your two goalies. Damn, I uh, am hot now. I'm going to put that somewhere. The other thing... That, that stood out is there's been 32 shutouts this year. Nine of them are made up across three goalies. It's like Flurry, um, Markstrom, and John Gibson, which really, when, when you look at these rankings, really pushes John Gibson up. When you consider this, these are category rankings, right? So if you're getting three shutouts, that's like three guaranteed wins in a week. I got uh, a trade-off. From one of the from an owner that I'm in one of these leagues, uh, I don't think he listens, so I'm not I'm, I'm not too worried about it here. But his offer was uh, so I would move Tristan Jerry for his John Gibson, and I just <laughs> left him on red for a little bit here. He reached out to me earlier in the day, and I was like, no, no, I saw it. I said, but you're gonna have to give me a moment. I literally have to think about this one because I'm sitting here going, I'm like, man, do I really want to sell Tristan Jerry right now, knowing? Well, what I know and you know how it's gone poorly. And then I'm also looking at John Gibson going, well, you know, like think about it from this perspective, right? John Gibson has 
five wins, right? Jason Jerry has seven. Um, Gibson has given up 43 goals. Jason Jerry's given up 42. So, you know, somewhat there. However, like you said, uh, 268 goals against Sarah's for Gibson, 314 for Jerry. Um, the three shutouts is important. It is a category league as well. Um, Gibson is seeing a whole bunch of pucks and he's stopping a whole lot of them. But he he plays for the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> yeah, at, at the end of the year, rin, wins rule the day, right? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at this going and I'm saying, okay, like, Anaheim is dead last in goals for per game. They're averaging less than two goals per game. Yeah. Their power play doesn't matter because, well, they're not scoring goals, right? So what is it, like, what does it matter at that point? Yeah. And do I, like, is John Gibson great? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's a really good goalie who unfortunately plays on a really terrible team. And do I want to sell Tristan Jarry at a fraction for a John Gibson this early? No, you don't. I don't, right? But I also, looking at this and saying, okay, well, maybe I just want to rid myself of Tristan Jarry. Maybe he doesn't correct himself this season. Maybe I'm just wrong. And I'll take John Gibson and the outlining stats that he's going to give me. I know he's going to get those shutouts every once in a while. I know he's going to stop a lot of pucks. The save percentage will be high. You know, the saves that he's going to make, that's a category as well. It's important. And I'll just sacrifice the wins and the goals against average at that point a little bit. But I still left him on read. Yeah, so one, Jari's been much better as of late. He's got the top job back. I mean... He's over nine. He's about nine ten in each of his last four, like nine ten save percentages for the last four. Three of those are wins. He's won four of his last five. Like Jari's trending up. Now is not the time to make that trade. Uh, now is the time to go get Tristan Jari off off waivers because God knows I have because he was on sitting on waivers in almost every league I was in. So it's like, yep. He's playing better. Let's go get him here. And the, every league where I didn't draft him, which was all but one, it's like, I'm going to go get me some Tristan Jari. Um, other things here, uh, uh, Mika's a Benajad, easily the biggest bust of the year, at least as far as the rankings go. He's not a top 100 player right now. Uh, I think he was ranked in the top 10 in both, both formats. Uh, Quinn Hughes manages the top defensive spot. Uh, in in categories, which is pretty amazing when you consider he does not hit at all. Like five hits. In well, I mean, it's, it's hard to hit opposing players when you have the puck on your stick a lot, right? <laughs> Fair enough. And, and what I did note uh, was that this is a trend among younger defenders. Uh, that you know, the, it's there. There's clearly something that's different in how they're being in how they're being trained. Uh, that, you know, these lots of these guys, I think if you look at Makar, you look at uh, essentially all of these, like this group of young, skilled defensemen, they don't hit. And exactly for the reason you said, because, well, what am I hitting? Like, I've got the puck on my stick or I'm moving the puck quickly. Like, I'm not coming in, like trying to lay a big hit. Because that's not how the game's played today. But they don't need to either. Don't forget, like, when you watch Quinn Hughes, especially Kale McCarr, I love watching Kale McCarr skate because it just looks so fluid. He's doing it at such a high speed, and he's just making it look easy at times. And I'm just like, it's it's crazy. I do think – I think for Quinn Hughes, though, on the flip side, right, if your league cares about this stat, 
which it shouldn't, right? He's a minus 14. So playing his position, he's not very good at it. But, you know, racking up assists, though, he's got no problem doing that. He's an offensively minded defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think anybody can question that, right? He's got 19 assists, if I'm not mistaken. I think that leads all defensemen um, in assists as well, right? He's only got two goals in the season. He's shooting about just under 4%. But again, if Quinn Hughes is going out there and if he's finishing the year with, I don't know, 45 points and 40 of them are assists, I'm not going to be complaining too much, right? He's, <laughs> yeah. he's doing what he needs to do. Defensemen who rack up a lot of assists and very few goals. That's just, you know, just the way they do things there. Not everybody can be Zach Wierenski and Brent Burns. But I like you said, the, the, the new wave of defensemen, I don't see a lot of them that are going to be, you know, as mobile as they are, as quick, have the skill, and throw hits. There's no point to throw hits if you possess the puck. Right, if you're beating is, the players to the puck, you right. don't. You're taking the hit. You're not. Which is the same reason why, you know, if you looked at, his, if you, you know, if you look at block shots, he doesn't have a ton of them. Why? Because again, it's hard for you to hit and block shots if the right. puck is on your stick. You can't do both. So yeah, but uh, in categories leagues, it, it's going to hurt his value. It, I would give it a low chance that he finishes as the top defenseman in those types of leagues. Uh, I noticed. He does have eleven power play points though. So. Yeah, that'll help. <laughs> and it's also a that's also a big reason for him being ranked so high as well. Uh, defensemen are also voodoo. Um, this is one thing I'd noted. I think I had talked to Howard about this on the radio show at, at, uh, right before his draft, and reminded uh, reminded folks that it's rare that we have the top defenseman year over year. Uh, we had the consensus, basically consensus top three defensemen this year were Hedman, Carlson, and Yossi. They're ranked two, six, and twenty-six respectively, yeah. right? Lots of people, most places had Robin Yossi as the number one defender coming in the year. Um, you know, if you paid top two round price on Yossi, you're having some cold feet right now. By one of those people who did pay high for in one league, and uh, I'm not doing well in that league, but I still think there's, uh, I still think there's a little bit of time for uh, for Roman Yossi to uh, correct the issue at hand. It's possible, but uh, I won't be surprised if he doesn't. I guess that's essentially. What I would buy low on him though. If yeah. somebody's willing to get rid of him, I would definitely take a stab there. Uh, the Kachucks bring the noise and just about everything else too. Uh, Matthew leads is the only player in the top twenty with fifty or more hits, seventh best in the league. Brady leads the league with ninety hits so far, yeah. <laughs> uh, and tons of shots. So like floor of both of those guys super high uh it'll be interesting to see what people actually do with them in the next couple of years because i thought matthew was older but he's still only like 23 so like oh, they're like, uh, they're relatively young yeah they're pretty young so especially for brady if you think about it like i i think for matthew kachuk i kind of i think expect it from him right to be kind of one of those stat stuffer players kind of thing but yeah. you know brady for himself like he can score goals he can pick up his assists Right, he's gonna run his mouth and get in trouble, so he's gonna pick up the pins as well. He's gonna hit, like you said, like he's gonna stuff a lot of categories, yeah. right? Kind of like Evgeny Malkin did back in his prime when he was scoring goals, picking up assists, getting into a fight, throwing his weight around, and he was just stuffing every category left, yep. right, and center power play points, 
the goals, everything. If there was a category in your league, he was probably filling it. And, I mean, I, I don't think Brady's going to be the same at that point. But, like you said, he's up to 98 shots on the season. So he's shooting the puck a bunch. Is he, you know, scoring a whole bunch of goals? No, but it's good. You know, volume is key, right, in fantasy hockey. And if you're getting a lot of yeah. volume, then at some point, you know, puck's going to go in and you're going to be fine. And the fact that, like I said, he's throwing his weight around and he's doing what he needs to do. He looks like Ottawa's best player almost every night. There's yeah. not a night where you look or where you watch the Ottawa Senators play and go, yeah, you know, Brady was kind of just there. No, you know he's on the ice. You can yeah, never you not see a Kachuk on the ice. They make their presence felt every game. Yeah, and I mean, uh, they're they're the players that you love when they're on your team. You hate them when they're on the other team because yeah. they're always there. You like their name is constantly called if you're if you're watching it on TV, listening on the radio, and it's because they're always hitting. They're always shooting. They're around the play. Like Brady's at 16 points in 23 game in 23 games, which is reasonably impressive. Only a minus four, um, six power play points. Uh, as noted, 98 shots, just shooting 9.2%, right? Like, uh, he is very much a volume shooter. He just throws it on net quite often. So that's going to be a reason for that low shooting percentage. But, like, there's going to be, like, there will be years where he will have a shooting, like, shooting benders happen. Yeah. He's going to have a year at, like, 15 or 16% and score 40 goals. It's probably going to happen because you put that much like he shot had 259 shots last year. Yeah. Well, if you put him on pace with his brother <laughs> Matthew, Matthew has seven seven goals, nine assists, 16 points. He's a plus two here. Yeah. He's only got 77 shots on goal, which has a 9.1 shooting percentage, right? So, I right people were paying up for Matthew Kachuk and Kachuk versus Kachuk this far into the season. Well. You know, you could have waited and gotten Brady and got about the same or a little bit better. Yep, very very much so. Uh, the difference here, uh, really what affected Matthew being ranked higher is is the power play points. He's got 11 power, or 8 power play points versus right. like 4, which obviously like with where we're at affects those spots a lot more. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I can see them both being probably top 2, 3 round players in the future just at once people really like catch on to one, I don't have to hate these players because I think that's a, there's a lot of that out there. Uh, and two, like, wow, look at like, they really are doing everything I need in fantasy. And it's, it's all right there. Uh, other thing that stood out here, Victor Olofsson, uh, I think I referenced him some to somebody as like a power play unicorn uh, at the point, at the time I wrote it, he had, 12, he has he had 14 points at the time. 12 of them came on the power play. That's still correct. He has 12 power play <laughs> points and he's got 15 overall. Yeah. So that's six power play goals, goals, by the way, and he's got seven on the year. Yeah. So that just seemed impossible. Uh, so just just things to set up me when I was doing rankings. Um, if you want to read the full article, you want to see the full rankings, you can go find those at fantasyalarm.com. Um, moving into next week. So keeping with what we've done the last couple of weeks, uh, top teams for goals against, top teams for goals for. Top five, or this is over the last two weeks, top 
five teams goals giving up the most goals. San Jose, no surprise there. We all we know and love San Jose for this. I'm shocked. <laughs> Boston, number oh. two. Okay. Uh, number three, your your Montreal Canadiens. Number That's four, fair. my Ottawa Senators, and number five, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, obviously, three of those teams you don't expect right now. I mean, Boston and Montreal aren't going to be there forever. I don't, at least Boston won't. I don't think Montreal will either. Uh, it depends think... how many starts Jake Allen gets in the next series. <laughs> that might change how it is. But Yeah. Um, and then Anaheim. I mean, we talked about John Gibson. Uh, we'll see how can't, that plays out. Can't do it by himself. San Jose giving up goals. Did you see what Jordan Bennington tried to do as well on Saturday? I, I didn't see that. You didn't see it. He so obviously so Jordan. Shout out to Jordan Bennington, who is an absolute trash can when he plays San Jose, right? He's got an 8.87 save percentage and a 3.47 goals against average. He got pulled, right? And again, yeah. Vegas had this game at a five and a half over under, and I was like, that's cute, <laughs> like this. That's gonna hit midway through the second. Oh no! Guess what happened midway through the second? This game finished seven six, uh, yeah. for St. Louis. I think that's right. Yeah, it's yep. It did. And Bennington didn't even finish. Billy Huso came in. Bennington basically had kind of threw like a little bit of a tan- temper tantrum here. He goes over to the Sharks bench. He ends up pushing somebody as he's leaving. <laughs> he like fake like you know, he fakes putting the blocker into Eric Carlson's face at center ice and then yeah. pushes Devin Dubnik, who's trying to basically tell him to get off the ice and stop being a clown. And and then he you know Bennington proceeds to leave. I I watched this in real time because I mean I had I played Braden Shen again who once again scored a goal. So I think Shen has like ten goals on the season. Eight of those goals have come when I played him in NHL DFS. So his success is tied to Trust me using him. Yeah. Right, there's no other reason here. But I was just like I was watching this as I was. Or as I was prepping for this game, I was looking at it. I was like, man, I don't have enough San Jose, and I don't have enough St. Louis. I didn't play San Jose 1 because never played San Jose 1, right? Um, but watching watching St. Louis play and to just specifically watch – like the Sharks are terrible goaltending-wise, which is fine, right? I mean, it's yeah. the shot to nobody. But, man, Jordan Bennington just can't figure it out with San Jose's intent. Like he's he hasn't played many – Games. But I mean, against Arizona, and again, I know it's Arizona, right? They're two different teams here, right? He's much better against Arizona. He's played one game against Vegas. That's fine. Vegas lit him up, but he also had to stop 46 pucks, right? So his save percentage is good, too. Um, good against the LA Kings. One start against Anaheim. Everybody's good against Anaheim. And he's got two against Colorado, and he's, you know, Colorado's Colorado. But man, when San Jose is around, he is just getting lit up like a Christmas tree. So I stayed away from that trap because I played Jordan Bennington twice this twice this DFS season. Twice against St. Louis, twice it's ended poorly. And I was looking at this again. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> not again. I'm not donating again to the Jordan Bennington Foundation here. I'm going to let somebody else figure it out. And, uh, hey, I got 13 goals in one night. It was very nice. Yeah. After the Habs, you know, were done being themselves there. I I just switched it over to uh, St. Louis and San Jose, and I was gifted a Jordan Bennington throwing a tenter, temper temper, <laughs> like a three-year-old at the supermarket. Uh, so again, no surprise that they got lit up 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, like I said, well, I, I don't know what it is with Jordan Bennington against San Jose, but he can't figure it out. And, I mean, San Jose can't figure out goaltending. It, it really doesn't make a difference at this point if it's Martin Jones or Devin Dubnik. I heard somebody saying, yeah, but Devin Dubnik's not as bad. And then, you know, <laughs> he, he, he was in there for all seven goals. Like, yeah. all of them. He, he didn't get a bye here. He just... I, I, at one point, he came out, I think. I, I don't think he finished that game. But... He yeah. got he got lit up, and it's still despite that he doesn't have the worst save percentage of goals against the average on the team. Yeah, that that's that says something. It's impressive I mean, what things, Martin Jones can do, right? Things that or don't. Things that, yeah, things that don't help you when you have bad goaltending. Also, having Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. Yeah, Eric Carlson has looked. Ugh. Terrible. I again. I have a lot of these terrible players on my fantasy team, so you can, <laughs> so you can expect how that's going. Um, per near, se. near to your heart. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not going good. I'm uh, I'm falling way back here pretty early, and honestly, it's impressive. Like I'm looking at it some nights, going, man, I can't believe I was this bad. And other nights, I'm just going, you know what? It's, I mean, it it happens, but. Yeah, I mean, Brad Burns and Eric Carlson aren't there to play defense anymore. Uh, they don't look like they've figured it out, per se. And watching just, like, like they're not a terrible team, the San Jose Sharks. They just, they have no defense, and they have nobody who can keep the puck out of their net, right? I mean, Eric Carlson was a minus two, if that's that you care about. I mean, he, he he did have six shots on goal, so he was productive, right? He played yeah. 20 minutes as well, which is good. Brent Burns played 27. He was all over the ice. And, he, you know, to his credit, he had, he had picked, you know, he picked up two points, hit three shots on goals. You know, he, he did what he needed to do. He's not the Brent Burns of, you know, a couple years ago, but he's – he was there, but again, the Carlson and the Burns, if you're playing them together at five on five, just assume you have five forwards on the ice. And right now, again, their goaltending can't can't figure it out. It, their goalies yeah. can't make a save. They're just yeah. giving up everything. Yeah, so we're going to expect San Jose to stay on this list. Uh, we're going to expect Ottawa to stay on this list. Uh, Matt Murray's also not very good. That's not news. Uh, Joey Decord uh, isn't the savior here. Uh, Marcus Hogberg, Hogberg isn't the savior here either. There is no savior right now here in Ottawa, um, at least in goal. So, like, those two are probably going to be somewhat mainstays. Uh, I mean, Ottawa is in and out. They have nights where they you can't score on them. It's, again, goalies, voodoo. Uh, looking at the goals for, for the last week, Minnesota. We talked about Minnesota. Ottawa, number two. That's a bit of a surprise. Uh, Winnipeg, no surprise. San Jose has been scoring as much as they give them up. Uh, and Toronto, which is also not a big surprise there. Uh, what stands out here to me, though, is, I mean, we talked about the great value in Minnesota. You're getting, like, I think Kaprizov is the most expensive guy in that second line that's just scoring at will right now. He's typically being, like, the uh, 5,500 or less range. Uh, so you're getting basically a top player for like mid range price. Um, Ottawa, you're finding like Drake Batherson's on a tear. You're getting him still 
pretty cheap, I believe. Uh, Josh Norris is actually when I did my rankings, he was he was well inside the top hundred, 100. Tim Stutzla is at some point in time going to be a stud. Uh, I'm not certain when that time is. Might be a couple of years away. But Can we just but he talk about really Tim Stutzla's tape job on his stick for a moment? <laughs> sure. Like, what is he doing with that? Well, you know about German engineering, right? I, 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 every time I see him, like, or a shot of his stick, I look at the tape job and I'm going, like, like, what is the metric? Like, did he, like, break it down or have, like, an engineer said, hey, you need tape right here at the toe? And, you know, which is fine. But because you might want to handle the puck a little bit in towards the blade, right at the middle of the stick, why don't you just put a slab of tape? horizontally there just to be able to control it but shoot from the tip of the stick but you know only take what you really need and just a little bit on it i just i can't get behind it i can't that's not a tape job that's coming to my stick anytime soon <laughs> i actually have to look this up because i never noticed this but yeah that, you, that you is hilarious. maybe that's one of those things that only i noticed here but it is just it's definitely not you because I found a picture where somebody has a picture of his stick with the big red circle over it. And it's always been like this, apparently. Um, he also, if you look at the other end of his stick, right, he has it like taped up like a golf club. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's very, very different. The golf club, I can kind of, I don't know. I don't even know if I can get behind that. I mean, maybe it's, Maybe it's a little bit more grip. That's fine, right? But it is pretty thick, which is kind of like the, I guess, the weight distribution on the stick is definitely a little bit different. But the tape job on the stick, like the stick itself with like the giant <laughs> slab in the middle of it, like this goes like all the way in, like to the blade. He goes about what, halfway? Not necessarily all the way to the heel, but it's just like, a vertical, you know. Yeah, just this bizarre. Like, it just like, goes like thing. across, and you're like, okay, but like, just why don't you just tape it all the way there, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I. No wonder the kids rocket scoring goals like a rock star. Goalies are looking at the tape, going, "Wait a minute, where is he shooting from?" And they get confused. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh. But yes, thanks for pointing that out. I'm like, is this a German thing? Does Dreisaitl have have a stick like this too? He does not. He does not. No. Um, but I don't know. I guess maybe like at some. I suppose at some point somebody's gonna be like, hey, uh, hey, why don't you try out my stick? I'm like, wow, I can handle the puck so much better. This is amazing. Uh, Winnipeg. Um, Mark Shifley's unbelievable. Uh, that's really what I have to say here. Like I was looking at it earlier in the week and he had two games where he didn't have a point two. That's it. That, that's, that, that's something else. Home. He's a player that does not get enough love. Um, cause, uh, probably cause he's in Winnipeg and while he's probably not the most flashy player, he's consistently getting it done. Uh, and then Toronto. So we'll see how long. Uh, I'm not certain how long Matthews is up for. I don't think it's long term. He'll probably be back sometime this week. But uh, I'm not sure they're going to stick high in the goals for right now uh, without him, which is obviously not a surprise when you lose 
uh, arguably the league's top goals goal scorer. Yeah, Joe Thornton's back in the lineup. Yeah, what else do you need? There you go. He's back to the left wing spot where, you know, when you think of Joe Thornton, you think of the left, left winger on the top yeah. line. That's right. For life. Or at least I that's assume, what I've been told. Yeah. I, I'm just waiting for that eventual goal that, like, just falls out of his beard at some point. Where it's the goalie doesn't know what happened. It's like, oh, it deflected off his beard and went in the net. I don't think he's going to know what, what happened. <laughs> but, uh,. That's what I have this week. Uh, really, I think the only thing we didn't cover is the very bizarre uh, Artemi Panarin story. Uh, I don't think we really want to get too far into that. but um, I just don't want the Russian government listening right now to know <laughs> where I am. So we'll just, yeah. we'll just leave them and Mother Russia to themselves. It is definitely a very, Concerning I guess disturbing story if it's true right also right fun fact he is on my fantasy team so this is again this is going very well for my team here if it's not covid related or injury related um it's speaking out against the russian government related i did not have that on my bingo card um yeah he's on literally every one of my fantasy teams i was it's just again my team is falling apart here it's it's got taylor hall on it as well not going well but Again, I don't know how long Panarin's going to be out of the lineup. I know the Rangers gave him some you know, personal leave of absence. How long that extends is to anybody's guess at this point. But, I mean, you can't really move him, right? Yeah, you can't, yeah. You can't drop him. You're not going to drop him either. He's probably on the no-drop list, too, if your league uses it. So you just kind of have to hold on to him team hasn't put him on ir either so you can't utilize an ir spot unless you use one of the ir uh, plus if you're espn lets you put him yeah in but the espn team. lets you do anything really um well, not that right. yahoo's much different in many no games, i mean but... you know i guess for yahoo the only thing is so instead of the classic injury reserve spot you can have an ir plus so if a player is yeah. out or day-to-day you just stash him there okay and like it's it's 2021 we really like owners were just using ir like we need to we, we need to upgrade this we need to yeah you know fair. move forward in life right we went from fax machines to printers and you know it's 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 time that we do the same with the ir spot it's it's time to you know upgrade it so panarin is just sitting on my bench i look at him and I just waiting for the day where the Rangers announce that he can regain his spot in the Rangers lineup. Yeah, that he is uh, likely at this point gotten his family out of Russia and can now come back and play hockey again. Because I assume that's probably what's going on. Uh, but best of luck to him and his family. Uh, the Rangers are going to need all that luck. He still has five more points than the next highest player in the, on his team. Um so it might be a few more weeks before he even loses his, the top point spot on his own team. So well, it's not Mika Zibanejad who's going to catch him. So. Not with his six points in 19 games. Yeah, he's been really bad, too. He's shooting three and a half percent. He's yeah. still seeing about 20 minutes of ice time a night. Well, what I'll note about this, Jack Eichel's in that same boat. I think Eichel's shooting percentage is around like 4%. Um, you know, now, Buffalo, Buffalo can't score goals. I, I found this a fun fact. 
Um, the Buffalo Sabres are, what, 20? Uh, no, they're not dead last in the NHL uh, in goals per game because um, the Anaheim Ducks own that. They're 29th in goals for, right, per game. They have the best... Uh, well, they had the best power play coming into the night. Yes, they they can score goals on the power play. They score. They don't score. Goals. No, they they don't score very many goals. But when they do, uh, Victor Holmson is scoring them on the power play. That's right. Uh, but these are by low candidates, right? Like people are dropping Zubin and Jad in your league. You should go get him, right? Like three and a half percent shooting percentage. His he's a career twelve and a half. He, he's going to get that thing up to 10%. Yeah, like, think about regression going both, right? Like, you, you right. can have negative regression, right? We all expect players to come back to their median at some point, but, it, you know, it can go the other way as well. You, you, you can have positive regression, you know, go up. The, yeah. It, it, it works both ways here. So I, I don't expect Jack Eichel to continue to shoot, like, 3 4%. The same thing for Taylor Hall. I don't expect that to maintain its pace. I'd like it to correct itself, you really? know, yesterday, but... But, um, yeah, so we'll leave you on that. Uh, so have a great week. Hopefully players don't disappear for bizarre reasons. Um, and we'll find you on the chat.